0: Give me two tickets to that that football film, right Now. now. guys, and welcome to another long-awaited episode of the Triple F Cinema, where I was joined by comedian, poet, socialist, St. Pauli fan, and fan of a much lesser-known club, Manchester United, (laughs) Tony Kinsella, to talk about Mike Brett and Steve Jameson's wonderful 2014 documentary, Next Goal Wins. I hope you all enjoy the chat as much as I did talking with Tony, and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. Yeah, Just before we get stuck into next goal wins, Tony, I just kind of want to pick your brain about how you feel about Man United and how's their seasons going at the moment. I know we talked just before I, I hit the record button that you'd rather talk about Zank Paoli than Man United at the moment, but it's still still a sort of a, an interest for me for, to, to know how you think they're getting on.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I think they're stumbling through yet another season. There's enough quality players there. I mean, they brought Ronaldo back and In fairness to him, he scored a ludicrous amount of goals since he came back. But there is a bit of an argument that it kind of unbalances the team. They've got two very good quality strikers, but they're both in the late 30s. Mm. So it kind of feels a little bit as if it's just going nowhere. They might get top four. If they get top four, it'll be by virtue of the fact that there are some really quality players in the team. But (laughs) the best quality player who's consistently performing week in, week out is David De Gea. And that kind of tells its own story in a way. I think Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of people who are having an seasons. season. Scott McTominay's playing all right. Um, Mason Greenwood's kind of in and out. But, you know, Pogba's nowhere to be seen at the moment. He's apparently carrying an injury, but uh, it's debatable whether he's kind of worth his place in the team anyway. But some very, very good players. um, One that springs to mind straight away would be uh, Rashford. are just not really doing it at the moment, whether... He's got too much going on off the pitch or whether he's not quite recovered from his injury, whether he's still haunted by the missed penalty in the uh, Euro (laughs) final. But I don't want to particularly pick on Rashford because he's one of many. So I think there's a lot of underperforming going on. I mean, Ralph Ragnick's come in with this Gagan Press uh, idea, but a lot of the theories are that he hasn't got the players to really make that work. Uh, You know, the type of players that he's got. When you're depending a lot on a player like Fred to get good results, who, uh, you know, some United fans absolutely swear by him, I think he gives the ball away too much. Mm. So, slightly long winded answer to your question, but I think he might scrape top four. They might be about fifth or sixth. They won't be a million miles away, but eons behind both Man City, Liverpool, and possibly even Chelsea at the moment a mm.
0: bit of a strange appointment with with Raniak in the sense that he's he's there for sort of a six month period and then with an eye to become the um, the the sort of director of football or whatever it'll be afterwards if if that all goes successfully because it just seems like such a strange one where you know what if he ends up getting man united into the the second half of the table you know ends up doing drastically by Man United's standards. Are, are they going to want to keep him on in any form? It's, <laughs> it's an odd one for me, really.
1: I, my feeling is that is um, all lined up. Um, he, he seems to be having a slightly rough time over at Paris Saint-Germain, doesn't he? Mm. Poggiutino's not really won anything. <laughs> but, you know, he, he does seem to have... When did people start talking about a manager's philosophy, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just seems to be seems to be yeah. the buzzword nowadays. You know, they've got a philosophy, but you know, Poggiutino yeah. appears to have... <laughs> some kind of philosophy that might make things work but it's the playing squad I mean they've had you know good quality players in all the way through um, David Moyes suffered a little bit because he, he didn't seem to be able to attract any players but post Moyes you know all the various managers we've had have had pretty decent squads and are certainly a very decent 11 on the pitch but way too many of them are underperforming hmm
0: no, there's a, a good point you bring up about philosophy. I don't know when it became such a buzzword, because if uh, Socrates and Plato were alive still, they, uh, <laughs> they'd be getting good careers out of football, wouldn't they?
1: Socrates was a very good player.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, there's that <laughs> one as well. Yeah, good for a 20-a-day fag smoker, wasn't he? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, um, so, yeah, let's get started on Next Goal Wins, Tony. Um, it's a fantastic film. I mean... Yeah. I kind of wanted to sort of save our, um, our feelings and, and opinions of the film maybe towards the end of our chat, but I just can't get away without just <laughs> saying how great the film was. It was a, a really a fantastic film. And, um, yeah, it's one that stuck with me because it's been about two months since I last viewed it, but it's, it's something that's still sort of lingered in the memory. And that's usually a good sign of a film when something sort of stays with you and, and makes such a lasting impression. It's a, yeah, it's a wonderful film.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think my fav- favourite two documentaries on football of all time are this one and Asif Caprano's, um Diego Maradona. Yeah, Two very different films. Maradona deals with all the controversy and, you know, <laughs> it's a very controversial This is a much more gentle film. But mm. Both absolutely brilliant in diff- in different ways. What sort of
0: makes me wonder as well with the the sort of filmmaking side of it, whether they kind of knew about this um Thomas Rongen sort of coming into into the scene for American Samoa, whether they knew that sort of early on, um, or whether it was just sort of by chance they happened to hear about America. It'd be interesting to know the sort of timings of when they kind of got involved, because it is almost um, it's almost as if a pearl sort of fell on their lap to just to to be able to sort of document it and and and, and cover it all. Or maybe think- you know maybe they they sort of just thought, oh, by chance, let's just follow this and see where it goes. And, and my God, they they absolutely hit gold.
1: It reminds me a little bit. I think um, it it did kind of fall into the lap because, if you remember the first 10 or 15 minutes of the film, Rongen hasn't turned up yet, but they are – we will explain who Rongen is in a minute, won't we? But Mm. um, they do cover a few games under these other coaches, a guy who calls himself Ace, but appears to be anything but. Fully enough, it reminded me, a very different documentary, but the Greta Thunberg film. Because um, they started filming, the people who made that film, started um, filming Greta Thunberg when it was a little news story about a Swedish schoolgirl who wasn't going to school anymore. And of course, by the end of it, she's uh, she's travelling all around the world on boats and becoming a, a really kind of major figure. So I think in Next Goal Wins, I, I think they got lucky in a similar kind of way. That, you know, the, the, the material, it was bound to... Um, it was bound to expand in some way, wasn't it? But the way it expanded, um, I think they probably just got lucky. But you know, they deserve that luck because they're clearly very good filmmakers.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it's a very good point you bring up as well that we do need to explain who Thomas Rongan is. But if if you wouldn't mind, Tony, if you can just kind of give a brief synopsis of the film and um, just let our listeners know what Next World yep. Wins is all about. We did,
1: we, did t- we did talk about being very careful with spoil- without, uh, not to give too many spoilers, <laughs> didn't we? It's, it's, it's yeah, a difficult sure. not to give spoilers too because of the way it unravels, but uh, I'll give it a go. So the film starts with, it's, it's uh, American Samoa, um, a small island uh, with a population of 65,000. And at the start of the film, and it was quite a famous story, it kind of rang a bell with me when I watched it, they lose 31-0. I'll say that again, 31-0. I think it was 31-0. There's actually a newspaper headline (laughs) saying, was it 31 or was it 32? So everybody kind of lost count in a World Cup (laughs) qualifier against Australia. So they're clearly humiliated. The goalkeeper in particular is massively humiliated. And the film is about the rebuilding process. Where do you go from there? to be the worst team in the world. I think they've, they've had about 10 years of playing football and have never won a game and have barely scored a goal. And obviously, Australia beating them 31-0 is, is the cherry on the top. So, uh, they put out a plea for help because they clearly... Um, I should also mention the uh, the tsunami occurs, doesn't it, um, <laughs> a couple of years after they've lost 31-0 to Australia, as if the problems weren't bad enough, and uh, wipes out the football field. That sounds like a very minor thing to mention. Um, in, the, in the relation to a tsunami but it, you know, they talk to the groundsman in the film what the hell am I supposed to do as a groundsman when this has happened <laughs> and eventually um, they, they cry for help and there's one applicant to come and help them which is a Dutch guy called Thomas Rongan who has a brilliant name especially if you come from Salford because Romgen Rong- means he's a bit of a Rongan Um <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, I didn't um, yeah. think of it like that, but that's that's great. <laughs> but he's anything but isn't he? he? He turns out to be an absolute absolutely wonderful human being yeah, an yeah, absolutely coach and absolutely brilliant he really gets into the spirit of what it is. We need to be careful with spoilers here, but let's say by the end of the film they're not they're not losing 31 0 anymore. Um so he really makes um a massive yeah. contribution to to ending the humiliation and, and giving them some kind of standing. They certainly go up the uh, the world ranking. There's a lovely quote towards the end by the um uh, the spokesperson for um American Samoan football, who says uh, he used to look at the rankings from the bottom, but next time he's going to look from the top. <laughs> <And there's, laughs> they're still a long way down, but they're nowhere near as far down as they were <laughs> when they got trounced 31-0 by Australia. How's that for a summary?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely perfect, mate. That's perfect. And, you know, it, it's it's a good thing that you bring up um, the, the, the sort of names of those characters, and we'll obviously go into a lot of detail. But one thing that really stuck out to me and what makes um, the documentary so Vivid is those uh, variety of characters and, and the fact that they're yes. so rich as well. Um, and the fact that it's a documentary is almost um, as if it was just convenience that they happen to be such wonderful characters that were playing for this team. And there was just so much backstory behind each one of them. And, um, yes. and, w- and one that sort of sticks out quite well, especially you mentioned that 31 nil drubbing. And um, they made a big thing of that, Nicky Salapu, the goalkeeper. Yes. Um, they made it gave it this sort of psychological edge where this person was dealing almost as if he had all of his children murdered in front of his eyes, you know, dealing with this yeah. real sort of psychological impact that that really, um, you can tell it sort of stays with him to this day and he mentions that it does. But, you know, the the, the, the fact that Rongen comes in and, and, you know, helps to change him and change his feeling of playing for American Samoa because I think there was at one point Nicky Salapu almost thought about sort of hanging his gloves up because he
1: was just, Oh, he did, yeah. yeah. It, 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 when he lost 31 nil, he said, that's the end. I mean, who wouldn't retire at that yeah. point when he go from yeah. there? And he, he moved to Seattle, didn't he? And he was, mm. he was just kind of holding down a job. He was playing, I think, in a university team, but everybody was pointing the finger saying, that's the guy who let him 31-goal. And it's actually the coach who comes in who persuades him to come back. And uh, he actually turns out to be a very, very decent goalkeeper, doesn't he? And he's one of the main reasons why, why the team improved so much. There's a lovely bit towards the end where he says he wants to play Australia again. And if they were to lose 10-0, he would be happy with that. I think England would have <laughs> game 10-0 recently, didn't they? And it just seems like a really ridiculous score yeah. in terms of international football. Yeah. But for somebody who's letting 31 goals, letting him 10 goals would be absolutely miraculous, yeah. yeah. And To be fair, the commentator on the various tournaments acknowledges what a great goalkeeper he is and how, how much credit he deserves, doesn't he? But yeah. But, yeah, what a lovely bloke. <laughs> no,
0: absolutely, absolutely. He just seems so sort of quiet. I think, like, in terms of um, the character, he, he's not exactly the most sort of um, charismatic or anything like that, but he's he's a very sort of quiet character. But I think it's the way that he dealt with that ordeal and, and sort of got through it and then through his own performances was able to sort of turn it all around and, and end up becoming the hero. It's... Um, yeah, it's was, it was excellent. But I, I suppose if we're going to talk about characters, we can't go sort of anywhere else without speaking about Rongen. really. Where he sort of came from and the fact that it was almost like he came from from under a rock to come in and sort of save them. Yes. It's, I'd never heard of this guy before. And it's strange. I mean, what makes me think? Somebody's had such a massive impact um, and was able to turn American Samoas, you know, just their, their, their absolute misfortunes on their head. Somebody that was able to do that. It's almost a massive surprise that he hasn't had a a sort of bigger job in football because he just sort of works in in, um, sort of backroom staff or works in sort of in lower level coaching in America uh, for the US national team. Am I I right? Uh, But um, yeah, yeah, for me, it seems to be a bit of a shock that he doesn't have have a higher
1: position, really. I had to rewind the um, the film a little bit because there is actually a little mini tournament, isn't it? The uh, the new Caledonia tournament when he first, or, or just before he comes in, I think. And they're still losing 5-0, 6-0 against other kind of minor teams. I had to rewind it slightly. Between that and him actually, let's say, doing a lot better in the World Cup games and, and giving that team some pride, I think he said on the film it was about three months you know, it wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't there for two and a half years. He didn't He didn't kind of build and build and build. It was literally just, you know, a quarter of a year that he was able. And I think he was. I'd love to hear him talking about um, his management skills and, and how he managed to do it because you remember when he first came in, he had an absolutely massive argument um, that nearly went to the level of the president because he was supposed to have the players training. And it's a very sort of um, faith-conscious community, isn't it? Everybody goes to church, they pray for the football team. Mm. And he has an absolutely massive argument about the fact that the footballers are in church when he needs them on the football field. And he nearly walks away. He just says, this is so amateurish. Um, But then as he gets to know the players and he starts to understand a little bit more about the culture and what things mean to them, he's just an absolutely incredible man-manager, isn't he? Mm. There's a lovely scene earlier on where um, the other coach takes him to the highest point in American Samoa and he takes off his Amsterdam shirts and and hangs it on the top of a tree, and he compares it to Americans putting a flag in the moon, and he says, we all know which country really rules the world. But the way he um, <laughs> engages with the players and, mm. you know, his little team talks and things like that, he just comes across as an absolutely incredibly shrewd, passionate, <laughs> um, you know, a manager with a great sort of level of understanding of the game. So I'm absolutely with you. You wonder why it's only this documentary that we've heard of him, don't you? Mm.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a good point you bring up the fact that he, he was sort of so entrenched in his routine and he was such a, a, a disciplinarian when it comes to, um, to to following the sort of traditional rules and, and being sort of set in his ways. But you're absolutely right when he um, sort of embarks on this journey, it's almost as if... It, i think he mentions it himself it sort of softens him and it yes um, he does yeah. yeah yeah it definitely makes him uh um it changes him i think and i think he's you know he, he admitted that in the film that it definitely changed him and um, he still remains the the crazy dutch nut that <laughs> that we see on camera but he's still um, there's something that sort of softens him and i think it opens his eyes to to how great humanity can be when he when he's the coach of uh, american samoa it's um yeah yeah. Yeah. It's all sort of jogging my memory and bringing me back about He's also got how, an incredible sense of humour.
1: There's, there's a there's a scene where he, he does a slide tackle on a muddy pitch and uh, somebody kind of almost knees him in the face. And he just shouts to his wife, Gail, who's also a lovely character, uh, no sex tonight, Gail. And my favourite <laughs> one was when he was talking about the fact that he'd never played in a World Cup game, even though he's played, he played with George Best and Pele and people like that, hadn't he, Johan Cruyff in America. But he actually says, I've never played in a World Cup game. If I could change places with you, I would gladly cut off my penis. And everybody's falling about laughing <laughs> something beautifully touched about that, like, if you don't mind me saying, as somebody who loves <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, you no, know, you no, know, I, I completely uh, agree, completely agree. Uh, but um, I, I think, you know, as impressive as, as sort of Coach Ranganun, I think it's safe to say that Jaya sort of steals the show. The uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this the the faafina um, yes. who sort of the earned... third
1: gender the third gender yeah. yes, yes. yeah yeah,
0: oh, yeah yeah that's the uh, easier way to say it. who sort of yeah. earns their right to compete in the qualifiers I mean um, they were yeah they were absolutely incredible um, and yeah it's it's hard to say uh, to know which uh, the right sort of um, uh, pronouns to use for. Uh, for the the individual but Jaya is yeah it's incredible how they're able to just um compete with the sort of setbacks that you would normally expect for an individual to have uh, a transgender individual to have it's kind of eye-opening to see how if you compare it to to the sort of negativity that an individual like that would um come across in in the western world whereas you see the attitudes towards Mm. um Transgender individuals within American Samoan society—it's yeah, it's quite yeah, it's absolutely black and white really. It's quite heartwarming and and wholesome to see the the way that that
1: that 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 attitude is approached. Heartwarming was exactly the adjective I was going to use, and I think what's wonderful I mentioned before that it's a very religious community. So in some religious communities, somebody decided to change gender would be uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Mm. It's exactly the opposite, isn't it? And all these. Alpha males absolutely adore Jaya, partly mm. because uh, she actually... I'll, I'll say she, because I think she she tends to identify as she towards the end of the film, doesn't she? That and makes it a lot
0: easier for me to explain. <laughs> <Yeah>. I stripping <was laughs> in all over all those hurdles. What do I...
1: I think I'm right Hold in it. saying they have to get special permission from UEFA because at the start of the, the tournament, he was called Johnny and he was a male. Mm. <laughs> but they knew that by the end of the tournament, she would identify as Jaya and would identify as a female. And I think there's two things there. Like I said, all these alpha males absolutely adore Jaya. And, you know, um, there's parties where they're all dancing with her and there's no kind of embarrassment about that. Everybody just And even though it's a very religious community, maybe because it's such a religious community, there is that acceptance and there is that uh, tolerance. And But not only that, but when she's playing for the team, she's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. The tackles that you see her putting in. <laughs> you know, the, the somebody who, she actually says herself, doesn't she? I know I walk like a female. She'll come on the pitch like a diva. Kind of waving at the crowd and really kind of relishing <laughs> that, that whole yeah. identity. And yet when you see, let's say, her on the football pit, again, without doing a spoiler, there's one particularly crucial moment towards the end, the end, isn't there, where mm. she prevents she's a defender and she prevents the other team from scoring a goal, and that goal would have had a real impact mm. <laughs> on the final result. So I think she's admired and worshipped because that's culturally what happens in American Samoa. but by her own quality, she's an absolutely brilliant role model. You know? Yeah. And what's fascinating is somebody says um, we love the third gender because they're making a real choice about who they are. Most of us just drift through life and deal, um, deal with the hand that we've been given, don't we? So for somebody to make that judgment and say, even though I want to be a footballer, I'm going to become a, um, a female. She actually says, doesn't she, when she went to America, she tried to get in the university team, but she was underperforming because nobody seemed to accept her. Mm. So it probably says something. I mean, this is a film about football, but it's largely a film about socialism and community. And that kind of coming together and all fighting for each other is is what Mm. the whole film's about. And and Jaya, I love the bit right at the very end where on the credits, they tell you what's happened to all the various people. And it ends by saying, and Jaya is choosing her costume for the premiere. And she comes on talking about hiring a dress from Dolce & Gabbana. (laughs) So, you know, she is who she is. But who she is is a a fascinating person an absolutely brilliant footballer.
0: Yeah, no, it's wonderful seeing how sort of, Extremely feminine she is when she's off the football pitch, but as soon as that whistle goes, it's almost like she turns into Roy Keane. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can put an absolute cruncher of a tackle in. It's, um, yeah, it was just brilliant to see because, like you say, she, I think she absolutely earns her right to be on that pitch as well. Yeah, I think there was a point where where Thomas was kind of an um, and ring and he was hesitating over actually choosing her for the team but uh, I think it was just that attitude and that you know the application that she puts in training and, and the fact that she's just so disciplined and so uh, she takes it so seriously that actually gets her gets a place in the team and it's um yeah it's, it's great to see it really is <laughs> Is there, a, there, there any other sort of bits
1: that you, you wanted to talk There's about? One of the I would like to mention, which is, is it Rolston, Rolston Manight, uh, who's the military man. Um, yeah. He's actually played at a decent level, hasn't he? He does exactly <laughs> what Jack Charlton used to do with the Ireland team and go looking for people who might have an Irish passport. Think, uh, <laughs> yeah. Tony Castorino in his biography finally admitted that he didn't have any kind of Irish connection. He just claimed that he did and they put him in a World Cup team. So um, <laughs> another thing that Thomas Rongan is very shrewd about is that he, he starts looking everywhere he can for people who might qualify to play for this team because they are so weak. And he finds this guy called Ralston, who's in the um, the US military, and he's not been on the island for about 10 years. He, they do actually say in the film, don't they, that your best chance of getting anywhere in life is to join the army and go <laughs> and serve in the American uh, army. That's the only way you can really get off this island yeah. where there's you know, very limited opportunities. And again, that's why the football team is so important to them. But again, what Rongen does is he approaches this guy and says, how would you like to play in a World Cup team? Um, for the land where your grandfather came from. And immediately he says, his wife's pregnant, isn't she? And he has to, um, he misses his child's birth and he has to um, get special permission to take leave from the army. And he uses up all his leave so that he can play in the World Cup qualifiers and come to American Samoa. And there's a brilliant bit towards the end where he's, again, he's being interviewed and he's saying, the island didn't really mean much to him apart from the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, he remembers being a child there. But now he's going to keep on coming back because he's got a reason to come back and he's, he's discovered members of his family, he's discovered a real kind of network of friends and, you know, to have a player, he's played in the Bundesliga, I think, hasn't he? He's um, not quite know at what level, but he's certainly played at a higher level than the, everybody who'd lost 31-0 to Australia, so him coming in uh, makes a significant difference as well. And the fact that, you know, there may, there may be women in particular watching this saying, how disgracefully he played football instead of uh, being at his wife's side when she had the baby, <laughs> but his wife is completely supportive of that. And in terms of, his children in the future being proud of him and being proud of what he achieved. He, he does exactly the right thing by playing in those games.
0: One thing that I, I wonder um as well, because obviously this is going to be translated into a, um, a sort of feature film adaptation uh, in next year. I believe it's going to be released. with I think well, they're, they're out currently... this year, I
1: read. Yeah, they're giving, it, they're giving it the full Hollywood treatment, aren't they? Mm. What's your
0: thoughts on that? I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit unsure.
1: Well, first of all, Michael Fassbender, I think he's playing Thomas Rongan. Which, mm. if he's got a good Dutch accent, he's an extremely good actor. Michael Fassbender, I think he could well do a good job. <laughs> yeah. Just really hoping they don't turn him into an American. If they turn into, if they turn him into American rather a Dutchman, I don't think I would go and watch it mm.
0: <laughs> because
1: it would just be too Hollywood and and too sort of um, liberal with the truth, cavalier with the truth kind of thing. So yeah. um, it's certainly ripe for a dramatization. I suppose there's a lot of people who wouldn't go and watch a documentary on football, but might well go and watch dramatisation with Michael Fassbender in it. Hmm. Um, My general feeling is that the documentary already exists and it's fairly superfluous in terms of my own viewing habits. I probably would go and see it out of curiosity. I don't know about you, but it would be largely out of curiosity and I would give it a chance. I'd be very surprised if it moved me as much as the documentary where I was was hearing from the real people. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think um, what sort of gives me a little bit of trepidation about it is the fact that the film itself isn't exactly a a sort of extraordinary story if you think about it it's quite a conventional sort of rags to riches story but what um more or less separates it is the fact that those characters are so unique and so individual and then you you know the the backgrounds that they have as well it it really um it really sort of gives a, a real sort of twist to everything but Maybe they'll use those sort of backstories of those characters a bit more to sort of um, to, to help sort of bring it off the paper, if you will. But yeah. I suppose with a with Taika Waititi, the guy who's going to be directing, and and Michael Fassbender, like you mentioned, those sort of play, uh, actors involved, and um, I think Andy Circus is involved as well. So you've got some real big names that that cast oh. should, and I, I hope I think um, Army Hammer was involved to play a character but apparently he's now been they're going to do a reshoot of his parts because of the, the the sort of rape allegations that he was involved with recently so i think now mm. we're going to replace him with will arnott um as i've just read recently but yeah with that cast involved do, do, just give me a little bit of hope
1: well i think it I, I think you said it before um i compared it with a Maradona film in, two, in terms of two documentaries that I love. The Maradona film is pretty much all about Maradona, isn't it, and his life is in life. This is very much an ensemble piece. We, we talked about Jaya, we talked about Ralston, we talked about Thomas Rongan. Again, without giving a spoiler, in some ways the most important character in the story is not in the film because something happened to her, which we find out about mm. halfway through. You will need some tissues. It, it, I've watched the film about six or seven times now. Yeah. And when you find out why Thomas Rongan's gone there and why he feels so strongly about making a success of it, it will put a massive lump in your throat. So mm. um, so there is a kind of whole ensemble going on, isn't there? There's so many. And, you know, it's heartbreaking in places. It's um, it's uplifting in other places. I also thought it was laugh out loud funny. There was a bit very early on where they got a sports psychologist in called Justin. I don't know where he was from. And he tells this story about a blind man climbing Everest. And uh, <laughs> there's a particular <laughs> bit where he says, uh, Mount Everest is the biggest mountain in South America. And they're all going, Really? <laughs> Well, Everest is in South America and there's a bit when he says um, that you, you play soccer but people haven't heard about it your biggest um, positive is the fact that uh, everybody thinks that you're terrible and it reminded me of um, a film called The Commitments about the Irish Soul Man I don't know if you've ever seen it and the manager Jimmy Rabbit says to all these white Northern Irish lads they've been watching James Brown and he says say it out loud you're black and you're proud and all these white lads are looking at each other like they don't understand what's going on and when this uh, sports psychologist was talking about Blind men climbing Mount at Everest, all these footballs are staring at each other so <laughs> So they were trying everything to try and um, psych them up and all the time it was a, a lovely Dutchman who's played with George Best who was the secret behind it all. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny as well you mentioned about the um that sort of the tear jerking moment of the film and um yeah, that, that reminds me because one of the sort of many bonuses that i get from work is is the fact that sometimes i sometimes have a lot of downtime and when i watched the film I was actually at work so i was able to watch if i had to really fight to hold those tears in because i didn't want yeah. to be you know judged by all my work colleagues but um, yeah it was yeah it, it definitely you should have your tissues at the ready if
1: you're if you're watching this one thing i haven't done yet is, is chased up where they are now because there's mm. a little thing at the end saying that thomas ronger went back again you know, because he obviously loved it so much, and was so proud of what he'd achieved, and you know, made so many important friendships there. But um, I haven't chased up about whether they're still getting, let's say, half decent results. I'm still trying to avoid spoilers. In fact, the very last game in the film, which I'm going to be very determined not to give a spoiler to, it's almost exactly the right result, isn't it? They don't win five 0 They don't suddenly become the best team in the world. They don't. They don't qualify for the World Cup. And actually, <laughs> in a funny sort of way, the final game is a little bit of a disappointment, isn't it? But it's only just about a disappointment, and you can still see just how far they've travelled um, when they actually get that result, and in a bizarre sort of way, it was almost a perfect ending, that's why I'd be slightly worried about Hollywood in a Hollywood film, they'll probably have to win that game for it to, to, to end on the right kind of note, and yeah. basically they don't they don't win the last game in the film, that's as much as I will say,
0: mm. but
1: in a, in a kind of very real way, it's all the more meaningful the end of the film that, you know, they don't completely turn it around, they've still got a little bit of a way to go, um, but they've come so far since the 31-0 that you just punch the air, don't you, when, when, you, when you see what the money's to achieve. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I've just had to Google it
0: now, and I've seen that um, as of December the 23rd last year, they, they were 190th in the, the FIFA rankings. So that's 15 places off the bottom. I think their highest, um, I'm guessing this was when rongan was in charge was
1: 164 i think in the film they went up to about 120 or something so it does sound like they've dropped a bit again, uh, but, uh... well
0: i think the highest was 164 so um oh was it, would, it? right yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it would have been around yeah. there which yeah. yeah considering you know that's about 60 70 places up it's um, it's
1: not bad, really. The other um, thing is, countries keep changing all the time, don't they? So <laughs> it's a kind yeah. of weird evolution. Where I've just been watching the African Cup of Nations, and I hate to say it because I think I'm reasonably well informed geographically, but there's at mm. least two countries I've never heard of. And, I think, <laughs> and that's probably because they didn't exist two years ago. when that, yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. On so Who, I noticed that so
0: as well. There was a team beginning with C that was playing. That's the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cock and rovers. Like yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an odd one. But um, is there anything else that you, you kind of wanted to mention about
1: next goal wins
0: at all? Or?
1: Um, I was just going to tell the story of when I first saw it. Um, I've seen it about six or seven times, mostly on um, catch-up on TV, but uh, the first time I saw it was in a cinema in Salford, um, the, the famous media centre where all the BBC and everything has a, has a cinema there. And me and a friend of mine saw it advertised and we thought it sounded a really fascinating film. So we turned up in this cinema, probably about a 100-seater, and until... Ten minutes before the film started, we were literally the only two people there. We were going to do the the Richard Branson millionaires like you've got your own private cinema. And just before the film started, a group of about 30 or 35 people uh, came in together in one big... And we thought, that's a bit odd, you know, that number of people (laughs) in one group. And then two of them came uh, to chat to us when they saw us sitting there. And it was Mike Bratt and Steve Jemison, who were the two producers. And they actually said to us, oh, thanks so much for coming along, lads. We thought we might have had a few more people, but thanks for coming. Uh, we'd love to get your opinion on the film at the end because we, we, this is kind of a, a you know, a sort of pre-screening. So me and my friend were sitting there saying, oh, my God, what if the film's rubbish? We'll have, to, we'll have to do the British thing and try and invent something. But within about 10 minutes of the film, I knew I was on safe ground because I was absolutely hooked right from the outset. And we were able to have a, a cup of tea with them at the end and, and tell them what we liked about it. And they were dead appreciative. So I've probably had a, a sort of warm glow about the film since then. But my warm glow about the film is mostly about how brilliant it is. <laughs> Um, I've just had to have a quick look on Wikipedia,
0: and I know it's not the uh, the best sort of source for reliability, but um, apparently Rongen is the international scout for the United uh, States national team okay. still. So I think he, he had a similar sort of role before he took over at American Samoa. So I think he's just sort of resumed um, that that role that he had with the, uh, the American soccer team. So that's good.
1: Oh, the only other thing I was going to mention, is another coach who's called Larry. I think he ends up as um, the assistant to Rongan when Rongan comes in, doesn't he? But there's a bit where they're losing 5-0 at half-time. And he comes in and says, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't the plan at that point. You think, we we do need somebody else. It reminded (laughs) me, there's a sketch by Rowan Atkinson where he's a a, a Geordie football manager. And he comes into the dressing room and says, 37-0, 37-0. But don't worry, it's only half-time. (laughs) It reminded me a little bit of that, the kind of damage limitation. So, you know, Thomas Rongen had a a real kind of um, a a massive job to do, didn't he? And and, and what he actually does in the film is almost kind of beyond the miracle, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, I think his time as a player, he spent a lot of his time actually playing in America. Um, So it would have been the sort of precursor to the MLS and everything. Um,
1: I think we mentioned it before as well, that he was the only applicant. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't a job that people were queuing around, a bit like the Man United job. It was <laughs> it wasn't a job that people were queuing around the block to do, was it? So you know, he, he got the job without an interview. He just strolled straight in. So yeah, you
0: know,
1: I don't know. I'm not very spiritual, but it's almost like the fates aligned, isn't it? <laughs> exactly the right person turned up at exactly the right moment. And like I said, his, his reasons for doing it, when you watch the film, are incredibly spiritual. You know, it wasn't it wasn't just a bloke looking for a uh, looking for a job. There's a lot more to it than that.
0: Yeah. He no. talks
1: about them all being like a family at the end, didn't he? Mm.
0: He,
1: actually, he doesn't say that he's coached a football team for a, for, for a several months. He actually says he's, he's actually adopted a family. Um, again, I'm trying not to give any spoilers, but he talks about how they're all his children mm. <laughs> at the end of that. That's really <laughs> significant in the context of the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a shame because I, I think obviously it must be for sort of financial reasons and the fact that he's become so um, settled in America that he, he, he's unable to sort of carry on there. Because I think if if those hurdles weren't in his way, he'd, he'd um, jump at that in a heartbeat to sort of carry yeah. on as the manager of American Samoa. But um, and
1: yeah. they really appreciate him. There's a, there's a bit of a running with the. Um... Uh, the, the coaches and whatever, and uh, the um, the people who run the football authorities at the start, but they absolutely adore him. By the time he got, he gets back mm. on the plane as well, don't they? They're all hugging him, yeah, and you know, um, saying to the camera how much they appreciate what he's done for them. Not mm. just with a few blokes kicking a football around on a field, mm. but he makes that point, doesn't he? As a character who calls himself Rambo, who <laughs> ends up not being quite good enough for the team. But when the story goes all around the world, and again, I remember seeing it when they finally did. I'm going to have to do a bit of a spoiler here, aren't I? When they finally did win a game, (laughs) it was all over the the kind of global network. And um, Rambo, as he's called, is right at the front with his fists in the air and Thomas Rongan says he didn't kick a ball for the entire, <laughs> for the entire tournament, but he, he's absolutely jumping up and down, um, celebrating. It reminded me of David May when United won the treble. David, David May was barely involved in it, but all the photographs of David May <laughs> jumping all over, photobombing, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, it won't be long until Thomas Rongen gets a, a statue built uh, <laughs> at American Samoa.
1: I think it's a bit of a shame that this film's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, do you think? You think it deserved a bigger audience? I was it always going to be a bit niche.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, that's all just down to the the production and the the sort of marketing of the film. I think if they wanted to push it and you know for it to be a sort of bigger, well respected film, they they would have you know invested in doing so. But they just yeah, for for whatever reason, it's just not done so. But but yeah, I think it sort of remains that quality remains there because um, because it is such a sort of niche film. And then that, that that's probably why um i have my doubts about this dramatization because you know if it's going to be given the sort of hollywood treatment for me that's why this documentary works so well because it is so niche because it is so sort of rare in a sense it's, um,
1: although funnily enough when you met well, i mean it was me who raised the facts about whether it's niche or not but i'm a member of bolton socialist club bolton is quite close to where i live and i'm quite sort of politically active on the left And they do a thing called Red Cinema, or they did when we weren't all in lockdown. Um, So once a month, they would show left-wing friendly films, so they'd do things like I, Daniel Blake. And I recommended this film, and and they actually showed it. And uh, they always have a bit of a discussion at the end. And most of the people who are in there were not in any way football fans. But like I said, it is a film about football, and and football is absolutely central to it and what it means uh, to people. But it's much more a film about community. And solidarity and working together and and you know how how you're much stronger as a, a team than you are as individuals and everybody absolutely loved it you know those those people of lots of different generations <laughs> I was going to say both genders that were there we didn't have all genders but we did have <laughs> we did have two genders there and mm. people took to every single person said they they absolutely loved it so it's not finding an audience but I think it does find an audience it's it's a film that will. Really appeal to a very wide audience, not just football fans. Mm.
0: No, absolutely. I, I think I remember re- re- reading a lot of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and critics like Mark Kermode were were jumping all over the place, and they they said they they absolutely detest football. So it, it goes yeah. to show that it, yeah, it's less about football and more about the the social and the the, the human aspect of of the film. Yes, yeah. that's, that's what yeah. makes it so endearing.
1: Are we doing a mark out of ten? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, no, yeah, we can no, do.
1: Um, I I would. <laughs>
0: Give it uh, 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, 9
1: out of 10. You've probably guessed by now, but I would have to go 10. I, oh, I actually okay. <laughs> um, I teach GCSE English, and we used to have what was called an A-star, and now it's a grade 9. And I've got colleagues who say, I can't give an A-star, I can't give a grade 9 because it means it's perfect. But I always say, no, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means the person has met all of the criteria. Mm. And if you take any criteria about what makes a brilliant documentary, what makes a brilliant film... I'd have to say that it kind of hits everything. There, there wasn't a moment where I was drifting, that I, I wasn't absolutely hooked by what was going on. Like you said, you know, quite often there's a hero in a film. There's so many heroes in this film. You, you don't know you know, who you're rooting for because they're all they're all part of the same team. But, you know, is Nicky Salapu the hero of the film? Is Thomas Rongan? Is it Jaya? Is it Ralston? <laughs> you know, there's all these kind of minor characters. Even the little girls who are sitting on the football pitch watching, you know, that, that, there's, a, there's a point where a little girl's carrying a huge umbrella. And the umbrella is about 10 times bigger than her. And there's, there's just a real kind of charm <laughs> mm. about everything that's happening on the island that, uh, you know, kind of you're learning so much about the culture. Like you said, it's very uplifting in terms of their attitudes towards gender. Um, the action is very well filmed, isn't it? The actual football action is, is incredibly well filmed. Mm. And you kind of, you know, you feel as if <laughs> as if you're there in these little mini stadiums and things. So I don't know where it could improve on it. So if I'm looking at a film and I can't see where it could have improved, then I'm not embarrassed about giving it 10 out of 10.
0: Okay, you've swung me. I'll, I'll give it a 10 as well. <laughs> no, no, don't let me influence you. <laughs> no, no, no. You, 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 d- d- yeah, yeah, no, it's, that's definitely brought up a good point And, yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. But, um, yeah, you're right as well. The, the one thing that showed um, a lot of films and a lot of filmmakers have had trouble with is is sort of filming the football side of of football within their films. And, you know, when, when the the actual sport is played, it it translates onto cinema so badly, but you're right with this, with this film, it just, it just works. And um, maybe um, it's made a bit easier because usually it translates poorly when it's um, uh, a sort of dramatization and that's when, you know, it just looks so fake and it looks so artificial, but... Yeah, with with I guess with a documentary is you, you can sort of capture it a lot better. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know how they managed to do it, but it, it, it looks like. Well, another
1: thing they do on the football scenes is that kind of I don't know it would be called stop frame, but there's a couple of key moments, a couple of really key goals. There's a there's a point where somebody kicks it against the post, and it looks like it's going in, and they do this thing, don't they, where they slow it down and and they kind of you know is it called stop frame that you kind of you see the ball moving. Yeah purposefully towards the post, you're not quite sure which side of the post it's going to go, stop motion yeah that's it, yeah, and I think some of those scenes you know, the the, the timing of those things is absolutely brilliant, Uh, the shots of Thomas Rongan on the bench, there's a lovely moment when he's saying, uh, I know that some of you are going to be exhausted, I know you're not trained well enough, give it everything you can for 70 minutes and then you can be substituted and he's really kind of you know, he's thinking about what works and what doesn't work in terms of, you know, the standard of the football is not incredibly high but it's, um, it's very watchable, isn't it? You can see that it's competitive and that, you know, that, that um, it matters and it certainly matters not just to these teams, but to the other teams that they're playing. So and I, th- I think, yeah, the way the way it captures the excitement, you know, you can, hear the, you can hear the live commentators in the stadium, can't you? Which is interesting. Instead of having John Motson or whoever across the top, you can actually hear the announcer in the stadium. So the players can hear exactly what's, what's being said about them. So when Nicky Salapo... Uh, when the commentator says this guy is proving himself to be a wonderful goalkeeper, how must he feel after being the goalkeeper who let thirty one in against Australia, and everybody <laughs> in Seattle's pointing to him? So, there is lots of things that really capture how those kind of tournaments that we're watching are different from a big World Cup tournament or, um, you know, a big Champions League tournament. And I, I kind of got a real sense of what the islands about, what the people are about, what the what, how important football is to them. Sorry, I am really, <laughs> I am really waxing lyrical here because, as you can see, I absolutely adore everything about it.
0: Yeah, no, no, you've got every right to. It is, it is a fantastic film. It's one that I definitely implore a lot of our listeners and viewers to, yeah, yeah. to watch the film as definitely, soon yeah. as they can. And it's, it's, yeah, in a way, it's um, a shame that, that the film isn't known as, as widely as it should be. But at the same time, I quite like that because then it keeps it kind of niche and, you know, it's, it's almost like it's my lovely little film but yeah when did you when find we... it
1: easy to track down simon i i, I found it on sky's uh, sky sports documentaries i think um, and it was available free oh, yeah well, subscribing to sky but it was free within my package
0: okay yeah that's a good that's a good tip for for everybody if they did want to watch it but I, I watched it through prime video so i was able to to sort of track it on there so it was um fairly easy to track down but um yeah it's one that you know um if netflix were able to get the rights to it or or something like that would would definitely benefit from it because like we mentioned before it's less of a sports film and just more of a real damn good feel good movie really
1: we must hook up again either either independently of this or on this when when the movie comes out when when the dramatization of it comes out because I'll be fascinated to see it, and I'll be fascinated to hear whether we, whether we're agreed on how it worked.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think we'll um we'll just do a separate one for that one. But um yeah, it's it's that seems to be getting a hell of a lot of coverage at the moment, and they, they seem to be putting a lot of um marketing behind. That one, so it'll be interesting to know. In a perfect how that world, maybe the,
1: the dramatization will do very well, and then people will make a point of seeking out the documentary. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'd like, yeah, I'd like to think that might happen, but yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I've got a feeling that nobody would pay. No.
1: Dividends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's, um, yeah, but thanks again for coming on, Tony. Really appreciate it, mate. Oh, and okay.
1: you can probably gather, I could talk about this film all day, so anybody who wants to listen, so it was a pleasure to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And again, I just, yeah. Implore everybody to, to watch this film because it's yeah fantastic.
1: I remember where you heard it first. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. where you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, Tony. Thanks again, mate. Thank you, Simon. Lovely to see you. Yeah, good to see you yes. too, buddy. Take care. You too. See you again. Bye bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F.